Last year, it seemed like everyone started to jump back on the demand gen train. Some had good reasons, some got fed up with ABM, and some just had serious FOMO. On this episode, we're going to talk about demand generation, how it's changed, and what we're expecting in 2022. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. All right, Jason, let's uh, get into it, but I'm kind of feeling uh, a little big time with this new camera here. How does it look? <laughs> you look good. Yeah. New AI camera. AI is everywhere. Yeah. I've got a face for radio, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, <laughs> enough about me. Uh, I'm excited for this episode. This should be a good one. So um, first things first, let's just talk about how the market and many B2B marketers talk about demand generation and what's wrong with this. So let me get your take on this first, because I think there are quite a few takes out there and most of them I don't agree with. Yeah. And uh, well, let's see. I mean, so I think the market is defining demand gen. Well, it depends on who you're talking to. Let's talk about the majority of the market who are probably not super seasoned marketers and haven't seen this whole like rise and fall and rise again of like demand gen. But I still think people talk about it as like akin to performance marketing. So I think it's still like considered a maybe more of a science than an art kind of, you know, like um, I think it's a lot more transactional. So I think people think of it as like um, it's almost like a one and done. You know, it's like I don't think people are really thinking of demand gen as like, oh, demand gen, I've got to put together like a full funnel campaign, you know, like start with awareness and get them on that and then move to interest and, you know, and like serve each of these stages of the funnel with different ads and different messaging. I don't think people think of demand gen as that. So I think they think of it, they talk about it like it's much more transactional. You mean it's not like buying a pair of Vori pants off an Instagram ad? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like we're talking a little about, bit more, you know, a little more 30, consideration. $50,000 plus uh, purchases here. So the fact that people think that that's how demand gen works is absolutely uh, insane. Yeah. And I think so it's almost kind of like, Maybe people think of demand gen as running a lot of paid ads. And they think, and if they associate demand gen with paid ads, then that makes sense why it's more math focused. You know what I mean? And science focused. Because it's like, okay, well, we've got to, you know, try and get the most out of what we can and try and, you know, I think it's akin with like experimentation. You know what I mean? And so a lot of these things are also, you know, it's sciencey. So you know, even each of these things I say is also kind of related to science. And so, um, I don't know. That's what, what do you think? Well, I see somebody's peeking ahead of the notes cause I, you took some of my thunder, but I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll add a different take on this. So, uh, two things. I think people often, uh, guess that they can just start running paid ads and they don't need positioning. They don't need really good copy. And more importantly, they they don't have really good creative uh, because it encompasses so many of those different things. You can create paid ads really easily and light them up and start targeting your audience at the end of the day. But so many companies do that, that it's almost impossible to stick out. And then yeah. the second thing, and I feel like this has changed, which is awesome, is that demand generation used to be thought of as a responsibility that fell squarely on the demand gen manager, the director of demand gen, whoever it is. Demand generation does not fall on a single person. Yes, whoever has that title uh, 
is going to be responsible for planning and orchestrating all of this. But demand generation really is just a function of the marketing team. And it's not just paid ads. Yeah. And I think, you know, you said something in there that reminded me of something. I think also the way it's defined today is not really related to your company story, you know? And so like, you're not, you're not in traditional, like, or whatever people define today. It's like, you're not taking people through that story and that experience of like the why you're just going to like the how usually right away. So it's like demand gen ad feature benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Feature benefit. This is the problem you have is how we solve it. There's no like, and then it's like, Oh God, just popped out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you know, like this new platform, they're going to solve all my problems. I never heard about it before, you know? And so I think, yeah, I think that's what I, yeah, I think that's what, and I think a lot of people are still doing that, unfortunately. Um, like tradition, like, I don't even know if I want to call it traditional demand gen, just, um, I think it just assumes that everybody is ready to buy and everyone is not ready yeah. to buy. So if you're running ads that assumes everyone is ready to buy, you're going to be woefully, uh, <laughs> upset when you see the results that you're not generating at the end of the day. Or you think that the people that are in market right now is going to be enough for you to meet your company goals. And that's actually something I'm talking to one of our customers about right now. Um, it's this notion of like, okay, there's all these people that are in market right now. Paid search is a great place to find those people, right? So paid search, like, oh, they're searching for this right now. They're in market. Um, but that usually, especially if you want to be a high growth company, that's not going to be enough. The people that are in market right now are not going to be enough to sustain you, especially if you're dealing with competitors and other people that are taking your cheese basically. And so, um, I think that's another interesting part of it. It's like, if you stop at that, you're, li you're totally limiting it. And now you're no longer educating the people who don't yet know, you know what I mean? That they have a problem. So you're not creating the next set of people, you know what I mean? That are going to then come in. And that's also the responsibility. I think we'll talk probably about that. That's like, that's more modern demand generation is like, is that part of it? For sure, because I think if you are waiting on the people who are ready to buy, let's say you're using intent data and you're running some other campaigns to book demos or whatever it may be, you are already too late because by the time that many of those people are already showing intent, they've already found who their shortlist is and they have an idea of, of who they want to reach out to. So you got to start way earlier in the process. And the only way to do that is to educate your audience at the end of the day. And, and we'll get into more of that once we show uh, how we're doing it at Metadata. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, yeah, we want to take people through, yeah, that education cycle. Because if they, again, if they just see like these point in time, like feature benefit things, then it's, it's not really, you're actually shortchanging yourself, honestly. You know what I mean? In your platform, if you're just really just like, you're not taking them through that whole experience. You're just really hitting them. And it might work for a little bit. Like I said, this, this will work for some things because there's people in market. But I think one of the things we all need to really realize now, like put our buying hats on, is that we're not buying $50,000 tools off of ads, really. I mean, the ads are a supporting mechanism in there. You know what I mean? But like, there's so many other things going on that really does lead to that. The ads are just a, a small part of that, I think. For sure. Uh, and I think one of the things, I'm going to sound like a total nerd here suggesting a book reference, but uh, I stole it from Breakthrough Advertising from Eugene Schwartz. And we've talked about this before, but uh, Eugene outlines five different stages of customer awareness. 
unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, and most aware. And I think the old way of doing demand generation really focuses just on that fourth and fifth stage, which again is way yep. too late in the process. And what we like yep. to do is start to move up in those stages. So solution aware, problem aware, unaware, so that you're really staying top of mind. And the trick is to balance all of those campaigns throughout the stages so that you're um, you know, not putting too many eggs in a single basket. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're right. The way demand gen is done today, it does focus on those lower, yeah, it focuses on those lower stages. You're right. and. It, Guess why? It's easier, right? Well, it is. Well, you can measure it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier to measure too. Exactly. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, you just caught somebody at the right time. You know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, this is the ad. This is the campaign that works. Well, yeah, it's going to work for like maybe 0.3% of your market. You know, your total addressable market or something like that. Who knows? Just pull that number out of my ass. But um, sixty <laughs> percent cool. of the time, it works every time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's get into the old way of doing demand generation and everything that should be left behind in 2021 and probably should have been left behind five years ago. So what is the uh, the old way of doing demand generation and, and how do you see that? Yeah. I mean, I think the really old way is, so here's the, here's the traditional way. Well, I mean, the traditional way is like just demo request ads, right? Just demo request campaign ads. Um, ideally, you're doing it to a retargeting audience, hopefully, but maybe even a cold audience, you know? And so um, demo request ad in paid social that is to a cold audience that might get a small percent conversion, I think is a really old school way. Just like the most bare bones kind of like demand gen tactic we could talk about that's like, Probably not great. Um, outside of that, I think you go to your even like other traditional, which is, all right, I've got content ads. You know, I've got content. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> and man, I spent so much time on this content. It's great. It's so good that people have to give me their email address to get it. And so I'm going to promote that on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'm going to drive you to a website. I'm going to tease you with what the answers are in the content. And then I'm going to ask for your email address. And then I'm going to put you into the worst marketing nurture possible. And then I'm going to score you every time you do something that is meaningless. So like you opened the email. Actually, your spam filter opened it, but I just gave you five points. You clicked through the email. Great. You went to the about page and you bounced. I just gave you five more points. So... And then, like we, oh, you've got like 25 points. <laughs> you got 25 points. You are fucking ready to buy. Let's get you right over to salesperson. And then all of a sudden, you got a salesperson calling you, and, and, and you're like, I don't even know what is going on here. Like, what is this platform? I thought I downloaded a piece of content, and I didn't even make that association. So that's the, <laughs> that's the thing that needs to go away. Yep. I think you... Uh, what's that? Uh, I think it's from Will Ferrell in old school. Uh, he's got, <laughs> we've got no rebuttal. That was perfect uh, during the debate. Uh, yeah. So I think Carville. Like, Carville. Uh, Carville. Sorry. Uh, what a what a movie. Uh, I think for me, like gated content or ungated content, you know, it depends on the organization. So that's not the issue. It's really what happens after you've downloaded something, and knowing that I. I mean, not so much anymore, but I used to download quite a bit just to see what was out there. And I had no real intent behind wanting to talk to a salesperson or purchase something. 
oftentimes right. I'm just looking at it from a marketer's lens and seeing how they're doing things. So to light somebody up with an SDR sequence and then complain that you know, you're not booking meetings from content downloads, that is really the old way of doing demand generation. And then I think yes. the other thing that I wanted to add was when you are sending people uh, to your site, and I've seen this even recently too, maybe from a content campaign on paid social, is just assuming that you need a call to action and you don't have a call mm -hmm. to action. So the only call to action that you use is book a demo. That should not mm -hmm. be the call to action that is littered throughout your site because people know how to request demos. It's 2022. I know how to get in touch with a company if I want. And to yeah. think that you just need to push a demo in front of me, that's not how buying works anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, what other old tactics are there that we don't want to see anymore? Um, paid search to content downloads. I blown away uh, that people still do that. Um, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another one. Um, yeah, maybe, I mean, cold email, I don't know. I mean, I think cold email, that's just more outbounding, I guess. I don't know if that's like strict demand gen, but I know there's like a lot of demand gen folks that do, you know, cold out, cold, yeah, cold email. Or, you know, maybe even cold LinkedIn, you know, kind of messaging. Um, I think they're like, I'm on the fence about those because I still think those could be good if they're done well. But I don't think most people do them well. And so most people don't open emails if, and they're not reading If them. you are blatantly pitch slapping someone, then yes, I am against that. Uh, yes. If you are very clear on why you are reaching out in the first place and, again, social proof and you've got really strong messaging, then I can stomach that. But I want to know what your intentions are instead of you sending a connection request and then pitch slapping me 20 seconds yeah. later. Yeah, like under the guys, like no guises, no more guises, no, <laughs> no guises in 2022. That's important, I think. Like, yeah, you just say what you say what you're doing, because we all know what you're doing. You know, hey, I'm trying to sell you this is but this is why. Like, that's the part like this is why uh, I'm getting into the future, but I'm, I'm on my soapbox. But no, um, uh, I'm going to guide you here. We are right about uh, the point where we're going to have to get into the future. So oh, nice, get back nice. on the soapbox. What up? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, say what you are doing. Like, can we just be, can we just be honest about it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna outbound to you. This is exactly why I'm outbounding to you. You're on a target account list. Why are you on a target account list? This is why you're on a target account list. We, you know, I, I don't know if it'll work, but that would work for me as a buyer, like a marketer buyer. Oh, you've done your research, obviously. So you've done the research. You've done part of it for me already, you know, really. Um, more of that, you know. Um, just authentic, you know, we're all trying to sell people things, market people, market to people about things. <laughs> uh, Easy for you to say. And yeah, exactly. And that's why I don't do the words. And <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's time, you know, it's not like we can all, we all know the jargon. We all know the tactics. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's time we just like, Hey, I'm telling to you, this is why. If you're using intent data for that and it's a really good email with legit social proof and you understand who you are reaching out to, I have absolutely no problem with that. I think there are times where I get those emails and I see what went into it and I'm totally game to agree to an intro call because I know what went into sending that email. So yep. that's more outbound, but I think uh, the 
legit marketers that know how the game works have uh, no hesitation responding to those when they can see what went into it. So, yeah, I think what I want to do oh, here. Yeah. Oh, no, where are you going? Are you going to future now? Yeah, I'm going to future. Okay, yeah, I'm away then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So future, I think the future goes back to those five stages that we talked about of customer awareness. So unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, most aware. And I think for us, and we'll get into how we're approaching this at Metadata, I think it's starting to realize where people are in their journey and that yeah. everyone is not at the same stage in their journey and yep. marketing accordingly. So you're yep. going to have different campaigns at different stages. You're going to be pitching more of like what's going on in the market or some of these bigger changes that are taking place. You may start to introduce that there are solutions out there to do that sort of thing. You may not mention your company until the fourth stage when somebody actually realizes that there are products out there to do this. And I think it's being very open and honest and really just authentic uh, with your marketing so that you're guiding people and you know that they're not ready to buy right now because 99% of the market isn't. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's like you mentioned this, but it's like part of it is like being willing to promote the category. You know what I mean? And so we've had a lot of folks on the category creators podcast with Gil that talk about that. Like we, we marketed the category, you know what I mean? And oftentimes yep. I think, was it gong or somebody was like, our name wasn't even on this stuff on some of the stuff, you know what I mean? That they were, where they were advertising it. It was like more for the category itself, which I think is interesting. Um, and also you said something else around like, in market and stuff like that. And I think what I'd really like to see is us all kind of get to that point where we're thinking about it as we're, our job is to be there to answer the questions that they have. We need to assume that buyers are going to take themselves through the, the journey. And so, and that we're not going to, we're not going to be pushing them through a journey. They're going to be pulling themselves through a journey. And so if that, if we can agree on that, then we need to set ourselves up in marketing in a way to be there when they have those questions, not forcing them down. Like, okay, you've got this question. I've got this answer for you. And I've even started to think of this thing of like, maybe it's not even a demo anymore. Maybe it's, I don't know what I call a learning opportunity. You know what I mean? It's like the demo is like, can I think of a demo as this is just an opportunity. We're not selling you. This is not a sales opportunity for us. A demo for us is not a sales opportunity. It is an opportunity for us to answer any questions that you might have about our platform that we weren't able to answer on our website. And I mean, that's letting them it, pull themselves through. I would take it one step further. I think demos nowadays, because of how buying has changed, is really just validating everything that that buyer has researched on their yes. own, yeah. has found through their networks, has found yep. in communities. Like You almost have to assume that they've seen the product before you've you're demoing it for them. You know, that could be through a product tour on your site. It could be through videos. It could be through a number of things, but yep. this is not the first time that they are seeing the product in 2022. No. And you know, that stat about like, I don't remember. It's like, uh, you can make another one up. Go ahead. Yeah, I will do it. Like 70%. <laughs> it's like the buyer goes through 70% of the journey before they ever even talk to sales. And that stat came out like seven years ago or something. And it's probably even truer today and maybe even a higher percent. But that's the reality is like buyers are taking themselves through. They're self-educating because we're doing a good job of putting stuff on our websites, right? Like we're doing a better job at giving them what they need on our website so that they don't have to talk to somebody. So these meetings, like these sales meetings should be more like you said, like I'm validating 
what you think we are, you know, what, if we can help you, I'm really trying to get that validation. Like, are we a good fit? Really? Let me answer the, let me answer the questions for you that you weren't able to get answered, you know, and let's really make sure there's a fit here. Um, and I like that as a, you know, I like, that's a better outcome, I think, than a demo. So I just got word that 83% of your made up stats are actually true. <laughs> so you know that you are uh, not um, spewing nonsense <laughs> as much as you think. So uh, now I'm going to venture off uh, script here a little bit. <laughs> how do you think that for people who are wondering how to get to that point in their company, how do you start to you know, get buy-in to take that approach? Because it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It depends, just like most of our bad answers. But uh, I mean, it depends who you're selling to. I think you know there's gonna, there's all these depends. But like, let's say it's a conversation of like, hey, guy, how do we think our buyers like to buy? You know what I mean? What do we think? Like, what's the best experience for one of our buyers? Let's go ask them. Actually, let's go ask people that even haven't been through our funnel yet. You know, and like. Um, how do you like, how do you best, you know, what's the best sales experience you could possibly have? And I'm going to guess a majority of those potential buyers are not going to say, oh, you know, I love it when sales just fucking emails and calls me nonstop. And I buy because I don't want them to call me or email me anymore. I don't think anyone's going to say that, you know? And like, so, hey, get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to be like, oh, you know what? I actually like to do the research on my own. So if you're there in those places where I'm doing my research, that's what I need, you know? And so, um, and then I need an experience, you know, I need to understand the story. I don't, I mean, this is what I would say. Why am I going to buy from you? You know, why should I buy from you? Not just the features and benefits, but do you have a good company culture? Do you treat your employees well? Like all this stuff actually matters. You know what I mean? Because the better employees are treated, the more fun that they're having at work, the better product that they're going to deliver. And you know what I mean? It's just the psychology of it just flows through all of it. And so, um, that was a long way of back to the getting buy-in. <laughs> Sell and market to people the way they want to be sold and marketed to, not the way you think you want to or not the way that maybe has worked for you in the past. And especially marketers are not going to be as, not going to be nearly as responsive to those tactics. And so, you know, and I think this is the start, right? So like getting this thing working for marketers and then all the other industries will it'll just, that's how it'll happen in these other industries as well. And these other industries will probably start hiring people that actually do the jobs that they're trying to market to. So they really understand even more, I'm gonna hire a manufacturer, you know, because that's who I'm trying to sell to and I wanna really, you know, better understand it. And so um, it's all really around really creating that desire, you know what I mean? And letting people pull themselves through. And honestly, a lot of that is done with brand. And that's why brand is so important in demand, because like we can talk about all this stuff like demand gen and performance marketing and ads and all this, but there is also this thing about heat around your brand. And it's some intangible little bit, but it is so important. If you don't have some heat around your brand, that heat kind of helps amplify everything else that you're doing. If you've got people talking about you, if you're doing things a little bit differently and you're catching people's attention that way, you're kind of building that brand heat. And that just, I don't know if you can really win without that, especially in a competitive place like MarTech. 
I didn't say anything because I'm uh, in awe that you said that. Uh, because if you would have asked me, had uh, would Jason say something like that a year and a half ago? I'd say you are out of your absolute mind. So oh, we could just yes. math our way to success a year and a half ago. <laughs> oh no, fuck that! It's just math and targeting, and that's all we need. And um, and it's and a balance. Yeah. Like it's not one or the other. I think when you have that brand in place, and it takes time, and we'll get to that in the next section of how we've used some of those tactics to kind of build our brand to help with the man. Um, but it, it's a balance at the end of the day. And the only way I think that you can get yourself those opportunities is by hitting your number as simple yeah. as that. And if you're not hitting your number, then you don't get the chances to, you know, focus more on brand building like things. Absolutely. And especially true if you're working in a place where the leadership doesn't quite fully get or buy into marketing, or they think it's a they think it's like the dentist, like it's something that nobody wants, but you oh, have to that do. example. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I hate I hate, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so uh, that also plays in, you know what I mean? Of like what you'll be able to do, but proving yourself that you can drive the demand in any way, um, then that will like, oh, they know what they're doing. So, okay, we'll give them the like, we'll let them spend more on things that aren't as directly, you know what I mean? Like attributed to the spend, um, which I think you've got to get off that hamster wheel. If if you're in that hamster wheel where you have to prove, like directly prove that every like what every dollar does, um, you will not be able to do this. Basically, so do this perfect right. segue into how we've done that at Metadata because we were, I would say, in a very similar boat, you know, a year and a half ago, and it was something that we wanted to. Um, or sorry, we were on that hamster wheel a year and a half ago and we wanted to do what we could to jump off. So um, how did you get started, Jason? And then I'll chime in here when uh, I can share uh, what we've done well and what we fucked up along the way. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even before you started, my the only thing I really knew was how to put myself out on LinkedIn. And for me, early on, that was my brown. That was my brand building. Not for me, but like that was the brand building I knew how to do for our company. You know what I mean? And so I was like, well, I know how to get on LinkedIn. I've got a decent following. I know how to get on there. I know how to say things that are, you know, either, oh, ahas or get people thinking or emotional or, you know what I mean? And so like, and I'd never, jokes. yeah, <laughs> I'd, never <associated, laughs> I'd never really associated by personal self with a company, you know, cause I worked with these like, big, big companies and it was like, it, my voice wouldn't really have really done anything. So that was my going in. It was like, we're going to build a brand over paid, like, or over organic social, you know, cause I'm seeing other people do it. You know, I'm seeing these influencers. I'm like, okay, if they can build brand through that, we can do it too. And, you know, and I came from an interesting position ops for most of my background coming into a platform that's fairly ops and technical focused, you know? And so, um, so being able to say things that are tangentially related to our product was fairly easy. Um, and so that was really my start, but I didn't know, like, I, I rebuilt the website, you know, before you got here, of course, and it was okay. You know, I, I got some help, but I didn't even touch really the messaging. The messaging was all in my, from my head, you know what I mean? I just assumed that I was like, well, I'm the buyer, I'm a, I'm a buyer for this. So let me write it all. And it wasn't until you got here, you know, we really started to listen to customers. <laughs> like, what are they saying? What are they wanting? What do they need to hear? You know, and then really started, you know, you really started to build the actual brand at that point. So I think the, uh, and it sounds so cliche, and I, I feel like I've said this before, probably elsewhere. You can't really do any of it unless you talk with your customers. And I think 
Like you thought we knew what we needed to say. I thought we knew what we needed to say. And when we talked to our customers, <laughs> were we on the right track? Sure. Yep. Were we off? Of course we were. Yep. So you can't really do demand gen well without having a really, really sound understanding of who you're marketing to at the end of the day. It sounds so basic, but everyone skips over that and just starts to tr use whatever uh, positioning and messaging and what they think will work in their head without getting feedback. And then the, the second thing that I would share, and you kind of mentioned this too, we were a marketing team of two for a long time, so we couldn't be in every single channel. So what did we do? We, we used the channel that we knew our audience was in, which was organic LinkedIn. Yeah. And I think we've done a whole lot of really good work in that channel before we started to venture out into other channels. So yeah. for the smaller marketing teams out there, it's like pick a channel, do as much as you can to own that channel, and then move on to the next channel instead of taking the shotgun approach where it's um, <laughs> random acts of marketing. Well, yeah, and our approach to that was actually innovative. You know, like we built an automation program that would connect us to potential buyers, you know what I mean, at companies that would fit our ICP. Um, and it became an immediate just content distribution mechanism and a way for people to see us for free, right? So like we're, we're connecting them, they're going to connect with us. We're marketers, they're marketers, we're B2B, they're B2B. Um, and it's then all of a sudden- a new way of, of nurturing. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't need to, we just connect with them. We don't connect with them and then message them a bunch. We connect with them and then just, they just start, we post consistently, of course, and then they just start to see it. And I was just actually looking at Gong today. Gong, oh man, I'm starting to play with that. That's, <laughs> I got lost in Gong today, actually. <laughs> I went in a Gong hole today. I was just like, I, was, I looked up and all of a sudden, like 35 minutes later, I'm like, oh God, I got to get on a call. But yep. like just leveraging platforms like that to like really understand, you know, like you can just query for things you can see, you know, and we started to see, I actually searched for just our names, Jason and Mark. How often does Jason and Mark come up in sales calls? Jeez. It was just like, you know what I mean? There's like so many calls and, you know, so understanding like, oh, okay. People see it and they in, enjoy it, get value from it. And then they mention it, you know, and it's actually helping it's now helping even like from an outbound perspective from our sales reps, it's absolutely helping them too because they're finding it easier to break through. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you're from Metadata. Oh yeah, I see Jason and Mark's content or I see your guys' content all the time. Um, and so that is, I think, one of the absolutely best ways. You gotta have good content um, and you gotta run these automation programs to connect yourselves with buyers, you know? But if you're in the position like Mark and I are where we're marketers selling to marketers, that's a pretty easy mm -hmm. leap. Yep. And you can do the same thing for other audiences too. Um, yeah. If you aren't familiar, go check out Phantom Buster. Uh, we will not get any referral <laughs> kickback, but uh, it's helped us out big time. Yeah. One other thing that I want to talk through before we get into the Q&A section is um, some of the product awareness ads that we've been running for the last, what, four or five months. Um, yep. I don't think many companies and really many marketers are doing that. So let's riff on that for a sec, because I think it's been really helping us for the, you know, three, four stages of people who aren't ready to buy right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was excited to do these because I knew we were going to do them differently. Like they weren't just going to be like feature or benefit, you know what I mean? Like it's, it was going to be caged more in the problem you're having 
the fact that metadata can solve that, but not getting into like exactly how, and then being a little bit kind of snarky, fun, clever in those ads so that, you know, it kind of really, and then also visually appealing at the same time so that people are, are attracted to them. But yeah, I mean, we're trying to, and we're doing a lot of experimentation with the messaging around it too. So just to see like which areas of our product are actually more, and there's a lot of the ways you can take it. Which areas need more explanation because it's like getting a lot of high click-through rate, but not a lot of conversion or like which ones are not resonating early on, low click-through rate. So it actually helps you also see like which of these kind of product features or solutions that we have resonate and are we messaging them in the right way to resonate with the right people? Um, so that's part of it. Like what are you seeing from some of that work we're doing? Yeah, I think the uh, the other thing is when you're like we try to get two out a month and then keep them up for, I'd say, what, 30 to 45 days. And then for us, when you refresh these ads with either brand new campaigns or new creative down the line uh, from you know campaigns that performed really well, you're really just staying top of mind the entire time. So people are constantly seeing you. Uh, you may be sending them to the same exact landing page, but the ad creative that they're that you're using looks and feels different so it feels fresh to them now again you have to be generating enough demand to be able to afford yourself to do that because it's not cheap at the end of the day but you can start to educate people who are not ready to buy and just build that relationship with them so that when they start to you know have a real need for whatever you're trying to sell them you're already on their shortlist or you're yeah. at the top of their shortlist yeah yeah, and if you can do it in a way where the ad itself is pretty clever, like, and if you can do it in a way where they don't even need to click through the ad to get the gist of it, like, I think that's uh, some that's of what we're seeing as well. Yeah, is where it's like, well, we know we were advertising to these companies, and oh, look, we got some direct attributed demo requests from the website from them, like, huh, you know, within like a month or something. It's like, oh, okay. Um, people are uh, seeing them, not clicking through, okay, you know, but if it's resonating and they're coming back, that's great. Love it. All right, let's get on to Q&A. We got a couple minutes left, so we'll probably keep this short. Uh, first question that we have, what is your favorite tactic that you are seeing right now? Maybe an old one or a new one? <laughs> well, mine is obvious, conversation ads. I, I have a love and hate relationship with conversation ads. The only hate is because I've been doing it for so long. Um, but the love is like, God damn, they, they, keep, they work, they deliver, they work. A lot of customers that I... Con counsel consult with <laughs> counsel probably a better word um he's not the word guy <laughs> they also want to do them they're excited about them they're getting like to the customers i'm working with right now like some of their lowest cpl coming from conversation ads so like i still think it's for companies not us like <laughs> it's still a highly valid like viable tactic that especially outside of marketing to marketers could get a lot of really interesting attention still. Um, and so that's, you know, that's still my favorite, like, and that's, you know, that's a pretty straight up demand gen tactic too. So I will cheat a little bit, not really cheat, but I'll do one that we've been using and seen a whole lot of success with, which is featuring your target accounts and your audience in your own content that could be at events, that could be um, in webinars, that could be in, really any form of content because it helps to 
build a relationship with them at the end of the day. And then once they start to work with people from metadata, it's a very easy conversation when I can then say, you know, a couple months down the line that, hey, so-and-so thought you might be a good fit. I'd like to put you guys in touch. Now, we don't feature people in our content and the next day immediately hand them over to sales because <laughs> I wouldn't like that as a, a buyer of software. But the more that you can, you know, take the long game uh, or play the long game, I think is the, the way to do it through your content. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I like that. And then last one, any predictions for demand gen in 2022? Um, I think if it's not already there, we'll see it become more of a conversation topic and like a first class citizen. Um, I think we saw the start of it, you know, I've been around long enough. I've kind of see it go. I actually held a demand gen. I was director of ops and demand gen, I think. So that if that doesn't tell you something like how closely people think science and demand gen, you know what I mean? Like that's and that was at Getty Images, I think. Um, and I honestly didn't know what the was doing. I honestly thought like <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's a math problem. You know, that's what I thought about it. Um, and so. I think I don't know what's the, what was my prediction off of that. Other predictions, than, yeah, I'm trying to think what, what what was my prediction that I was thinking about when I started to talk about that. Now, I don't know. God damn it! All right, I, I lasted <laughs> this whole time. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish this one off. So I think for me, I think uh, I think we're going to see much better creative in 2022, and I yeah, think I hope so. People will start to take the same approach, which is not trying to drive them to a form or to a landing page and really take them off the platform that they're on and particularly paid social uh, when I say this. But I think we're going to start to see much better creative. Now, I hope uh, it's not just really well designed. I think it's the copy and the design. It's it's all of that together. But um, I hope we see that plus a little entertainment value because when we show up to, you know, our <laughs> our desks and work remotely, we're the same person that we are, you know, outside of work. So why do we try to market in a much more corporate way than we would outside of work? I want to laugh more when I see B2B ads. I want to chuckle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah okay, we're buying $50,000, $100,000 things. That doesn't mean it has to be stuffy and boring. That's not what we want, you know? And if we're funny, it doesn't mean we're not serious, right? So like if we're funny yep. in marketing, it doesn't mean the platform's not serious, you know? Like, so I want to see more of that, and hopefully we're going to do a lot of that. Oh, we're already doing it. So <laughs> plenty more of that to come uh, this year. But awesome. We are uh, just at time. This was awesome. We will uh, get together again next week and uh, check us out on your podcasting platform of choice. Make sure to subscribe and get us any questions that you have on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time. Thanks, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. 
B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter. 